the prophet Isaiah, uh, whose ministry began around about 740 BC, has often been thought of, uh, thought of as the greatest of the writing prophets. Um, the book of Isaiah uh, unfolds the dimensions of God's judgment and yet of his salvation. Interestingly, uh, Isaiah's name means the Lord saves. And Isaiah, for example, warned Judah that because of her sin, she would be taken captive at the hands of the Babylonians. But he also foretold of her God, who has compassion on his people and will redeem them and rescue them, both from political and from spiritual oppression. Those kinds of things still happen today. And so we have in this amazing book, this wonderful book, um, these uh, uh, beautiful messianic themes that's, that run through the book of Isaiah. These themes that speak so clearly of the Lord Jesus Christ, who is the ultimate fulfillment of all prophecy. The ultimate fulfillment of all prophecy. And no doubt you had a little glimpse of that of this marvellous truth as we moved, uh, be it smartly, through the book of Revelation just recently. And where you read and where you heard such words as these, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Everything is in Jesus Christ. He is the ultimate, absolute fulfilment of all prophecy. And then we come here to this book, to this chapter, of Isaiah 9, this same God who prophesied of himself through his prophet Isaiah, saying to his people, again, these beautiful words that we read, beautiful, magnificent, familiar words, particularly this time of the year that we love to hear. Let me read them to you again. For unto us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. And he will reign on David's throne over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. And listen to these words. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. Have you got plenty of zeal this morning? Let's ask the Lord, Father, give us your zeal. Fill us with your zeal, Lord. Real zeal from you. And so this morning, I want us to have a closer look. A closer look at those four titles that you just heard me read. The titles that the Lord uses to describe something of himself. And it is something of himself. How can we know the full description of the Lord? But in these titles, we have something of himself, which also includes something of his, of his deity, something of those divine attributes of his authority over us, his authority for us. Particularly when Isaiah says in verse 6, again, those titles, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. So firstly, Isaiah says this, he will be called Wonderful Counselor. Literally, that means a wonder of a counselor. That's the literal translation, a wonder of a counselor. The Lord Jesus, 
by far transcends and exceeds the limitations and the boundaries and don't we have so many of them regarding our own human knowledge, regarding our own understanding. He far exceeds all of those things. Our own understanding, how pathetic it is compared to him. And isn't it any wonder that the Proverbs 3.5 tells us, lean not on your own understanding. Lean not on your own understanding. His is so far above ours. How can we lean on our own understanding and work out the things of God? But also remember, speaking about this wonderful counsellor, that wonderful passage that we have in Judges 13 where the angel of the Lord, after he had spoken to Manoah about the child that his wife would bear and he would be called Samson, and Manoah asks the angel, who we understand is the pre-incarnate Christ, and Manoah asks this angel his name, and listen to the answer here in Judges 13 and verse 18, reading from the New International, sorry, from the New American Standard, listen to what he, the answer that's, that's given here. But the angel of the Lord said to him, why do you ask my name, seeing it is wonderful? The same words are used. His name is wonderful. Remember that song? His name is wonderful, Jesus my Lord. His name is far above anything that we could ever comprehend. And of course the NIV, if you've got that, 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 that reply says this. He replied, why do you ask my name? It is beyond understanding. And the Apostle Paul in the same way, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, referring to Jesus, he says to the Philippians in chapter 2 and verse 9, Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every other name. Every other name. His name is wonderful, beyond understanding, far transcending anything that we could ever imagine. His name is wonderful. And therefore, so is his counsel. His name is wonderful, counsellor. And so is his counsel. And Isaiah affirms this again in his book. Isaiah 28, 29, we have these words. All this, all this also comes from the Lord Almighty, wonderful in counsel and magnificent in wisdom. What a wonderful counsellor we have in the Lord Jesus Christ. The Lord Jesus is a wonder of a counsellor. And he is magnificent in wisdom. Can you see something then? Or can you understand why it's essential? Perhaps to say even why it's obvious that we seek his counsel above anyone or anything else. You won't find his counsel in anything else other than that himself. You won't find wonderful counsel other than from the person who is called Wonderful Counselor. You know, if you're, look, if you're looking for real answers to real life issues, to real life questions, then you need to listen and you need to obey the words of him who is called Wonderful Counselor. I love how one writer called Derek Thomas put this. He says this, his every instruction is wonderful. His opinions are extraordinary. His recommendations are impressive. His advice is phenomenal. He is the only one worth listening to. And he's the only one worth listening to 
because he's the only one called Wonderful Counselor. Wonderful Counselor. You know, his, and his counsel is found by you and me. His counsel will be found by you and me. When we read, when we meditate, when we meet him in prayer and we listen to those who speak his word and then apply those things by faith to our lives, then we will know something of this wonderful counsel in our own lives. Meet him today, this one called Wonderful Counselor. I don't think there'd be a person in this room who isn't dealing with some issues where you need to bring it to this one and receive his wonderful counsel, his magnificent wisdom. And we need to apply those things in our lives. Secondly, Isaiah says of Jesus Christ, and he will be called Mighty God. Mighty God. This title is repeated again in Isaiah, where he says in chapter 10 and verse 21, a remnant will return, a remnant of Jacob will return to the mighty God. And clearly this title, that, this title is referring to, or that does refer to, this child born, this child born, to this son given. For he shares in very nature, name and name, God. This is who this mighty God is. This child born, this son given, shares in very name and nature, God. And Paul affirms that again very clearly when he wrote to the Philippians and said this to us, to them, to us. Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus. Who, verse 6, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped. And then in John's Gospel, that we've also recently covered uh, this year, I'm sure that we'll remember those magnificent words. They're words that we should almost memorise, I think. How John describes the Lord Jesus in those opening words of, of his first chapter in John. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And then verse 14, the Word became flesh and made his dwelling among us, and we have seen his glory. The glory of the one and only who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. He is the mighty God. None other than the mighty God. And Jesus said this of himself when he said in John 10.30, I and the Father are one. I and the Father are one. And folks, the questions, questions need to be answered this morning. By you and me as we gaze upon this one whose name is Mighty God. And the questions, well, question is this, do you know Jesus personally this morning? Do you know him? Do you know this mighty God? Do you know this wonderful counsellor? Do you know him personally this morning? Has he changed your life? Because that's what he does. He changes our lives. It's the message of Christmas and it's the message of the cross. Jesus Christ changes lives. For when you ask him to come into your life and forgive you of your sin, he does, he comes in, cleanses us, makes us a whole new creation, writes our names in heaven.
we become one of his children. It's the message of, the, of Christmas and the cross. So have you asked him? Have you asked him? You don't need to delay because he's right here now. You don't need to be in a special place. He, he's right here. Is there anything stopping you from asking him right now, Jesus, be my Lord and Saviour? And if you're a Christian today, Jesus, refresh me again with your spirit. I so deeply need you. I need to know a fresh, wonderful counsellor. I need to know this mighty God afresh. John Oswald, he says of him, in reference to Isaiah's prophecy, he says, this king will have God's true might about him. Power so great that it can absorb all the evil which can be hurled at it until none is left to hurl. He's the mighty God. And because he's the mighty God, I want to assure us all this morning and encourage us all, you and I can take refuge in him. We can take refuge in him with absolute confidence, with absolute assurance, for he is the mighty God. Indeed, he is almighty God. And there is none like him. And there is none who can stand against him. You take refuge in him. But he has another name, another title. Isaiah says this of Jesus Christ, and he will be called Everlasting Father. Everlasting Father. Literally, it means Father of Eternity. Father of Eternity. Commentator Albert Barnes, uh, Bible commentator, he has a helpful comment that I think will help to aid our understanding of this title because you might be puzzled. What does this mean, Everlasting Father? Referring to Jesus. This is what Albert Barnes says. I think it helps to, to help us to understand this term. The term Father is not applied to the Messiah here with any reference to the distinction of the divine nature. For that word is uniformly in the scriptures, applied to the first, not the second person of the Trinity. You get that. But it is used in reference to duration. The emphasis is on eternity, everlasting Father. So in other words, we're not meant to confuse the title everlasting Father with the first person of the Trinity being God the Father. But everlasting Father or Father of eternity describes something of the divine attribute of this one who possesses eternity. Remember how in, how in John 6, 68, Peter says, you have the words of eternal life. When Jesus said to his disciples, do you want to abandon me and leave me as well? Peter's the one who says, Lord, to whom shall we go? Where else do we go? You have the words of eternal life. And this is what this is really saying. Only he has the words of eternal life. Where else do you go? And again, remember those words in Revelation. Try and picture the awesome scene that John had when he fell down as though he was dead. Listen to what happened here. When I saw him, this one who was called Everlasting Father, this one who was called Mighty God, the one who was called Wonderful Counselor, when I saw him, I fell at his feet though dead. Then he placed his right hand on me and he said, do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. I am the living one. The living one. I was dead and behold, I am alive forever and ever. And I hold the keys of death and of Hades. This is the one that Isaiah prophesied about 
over 700 years before Christ was born. This is the same one who is called Everlasting Father or Father of Eternity. And did you know, because you know that there's nothing else more important for you to know and to believe than the fact that this same God in Christ wants you to share. He, he longs for you to share in his eternity. This everlasting Father longs for every one of you to share in his everlasting. Do you get that? And some of you here today, you may not have that assurance that you have that everlasting life. You see, the Bible says this very clearly. He's not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. 2 Peter 3, 9. He's not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. And again, this is what the gospel message is about. And this, by the way, is what the message of our carol service will be tonight. But this is what the prophet Isaiah was foretelling here in chapter 9, verse 6, when he said to us, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given. A son is given. Who is this son who was given? Well, he's the one who's among us right here and now. But he's the one that John spoke of when he said this in John chapter 3 and verse 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. Do you get that? That whoever believes in him <clears throat> shall not perish but have eternal life. Who is this son given in, John chapter, in, in Isaiah chapter 9? Right here. God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. That whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life you'll share that eternity with the father of the everlasting father he is the everlasting father who so loved you and me that he was willing to give up his life by dying on the cross for your sin and for mine so that we could be forgiven and enter his everlasting life i wonder if you've got that assurance today I tell you what, it changes your life. If you know that no matter what happens in your life, you're going to be with Jesus forever. What a difference. What a difference he makes. Fourthly, and finally, Isaiah says of Jesus Christ, and he will be called Prince of Peace. What a beautiful term, isn't it? Prince of Peace. And one commentator says that this name sort of sums up all the other names. It culminates in this name, Prince of Peace. Everything else about Jesus culminates in this name, Prince of Peace. And the word prince is the same word in the Hebrew translated for commander. He's the commander. He's the one, who, he, he's the one who's the commander of peace. This same one who commanded peace over the storm-tossed sea of Galilee. I love this. It's the same Lord Jesus who has the power and authority to command peace over the sometimes raging storms in our own lives, correct? Do you know him, this Prince of Peace? The one who said to Galilee, be still. 
He commanded that and he can command a peace over your life. His peace. Because he's the prince of peace. He's the commander of peace. I wonder if you're allowing him to command peace in your heart today. Because I think there'll be folks amongst us and you need that. We all need that at times. This prince of peace says to those who would seek him and trust him in their lives, he says this, peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. The commander of peace is in charge. The world's peace by comparison, how poor, how pathetic. The world's peace is so unstable, so temporary, so dependent. It depends on the cessation or the absence of war and strife for its peace to even exist, let alone be effective. So the world says peace, but to have the world's peace, well, then all this other stuff has to be away. The commander of peace can command a peace in your life no matter what you're going through. He says the peace, he, he, Jesus talks about the peace that he gives, not as the world gives. This prince of peace, when this prince of peace, peace rules, when this prince of peace commands his peace in your life and in your circumstances, the peace that he leaves with you, the peace that he gives to you is the peace of God, not the peace the world gives. It's the peace of God. And the Apostle Paul talks about this peace when he spoke again to the Philippians. He had a lot to say to the Philippians, didn't he? He has a lot to say to us. And this is what Paul said about the, the peace of God. He says this, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. Verse 7, and the peace of God, the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. I love that. The peace of God, which transcends all understanding. In other words, you can be saying, Lord, I know that there's a lot of stuff going on. I feel tense. I'm probably stressed out, but somehow I've got your peace. Thank you. I should be panicking, but I have peace because it transcends our understanding. It transcends our circumstances. <clears throat> God's peace transcends your emotions. It transcends the broken relationships. It transcends all the circumstances and situations that you could be in that would stress you out. His peace transcends all of those things because it's the peace of God. That's what he does. That's who he is. Can I ask you, do you know in your own life today this prince, the one who is called prince of peace, this peace from God? The reality is, folks, that when you have peace with God, then you will know the peace of God in your life. Do you hear that? When you know and when you have peace with God, then you'll know the peace of God. 
And you won't know peace with God until you know the Prince of Peace. Do you get that? Until you know his son, the Lord Jesus. Then you have peace with God. And you'll know the peace of God in your life. It's no surprise then. No surprise. That when the angels witnessed the fulfilment of this prophecy, that they burst into a song that we love to hear particularly at this time of year, and I'm sure we'll hear it tonight as well. The song, let me read it to you. In Luke 2, 13 and 14, suddenly a great company of the heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace, peace to those on whom his favour rests. Peace to those on whom his favour rests. I wonder if you know that peace in your heart today. I want to close with a poem written by someone. I don't even know who the person is. All I have initials is A-H-M. The poem goes like this. Peace on earth with the world at war. Oh, what were the angels singing for? That faraway night when the stars shone down with a glorious light on Bethlehem's town. Peace on earth. They were singing of him who was born that night to redeem from sin, who still has the power to cleanse and to heal the contrite heart who was willing to kneel. Peace on earth amid sorrow and loss. Yes, peace indeed at the foot of the cross. Peace in a world that's troubled and torn. Peace in each heart where the Saviour is born. Peace on earth while the nations rage. And history is making its darkest page. Yes, peace on earth for its steadfast light is burning in thousands of hearts tonight. Let's pray. And as we pray, just ask that question, Lord, is your peace burning in my heart tonight? I want your peace in my life, Lord. I want the Prince of Peace in my life. Father God, we thank you for the Lord Jesus we thank you for all that he means to us. We thank you that he far transcends every thought we could have of who he really is. But we thank you this morning that he is who he is, Lord. We thank you, Lord Jesus, for making yourself known to us. We thank you that you are a wonderful counsellor. We thank you that you are the mighty God. We thank you that you are the everlasting Father. We thank you that you are Prince of Peace. Please rule and command in our lives so that we might, Lord, truly be those who shine your light so brightly that others will see the difference that Jesus really makes to a human heart when you are in command of that heart. We bless you, Lord. We commit ourselves to you now and look forward to our day with you, with our loved ones, our families. And Father, those that you bring across our path, Lord, just give us, we pray, those opportunities, those divine appointments to share this glorious hope that we have in each one of us. And we ask this for your glory and for your honour. And until we meet tonight, Lord, again, may your Holy Spirit preside over this place powerfully, touch the lives of those who don't yet know you. Refresh and renew us, your people, but Lord, touch those who don't know you. May they come to know Jesus tonight, whom to know is life eternal. Thank you, fathers. We commit ourselves to you now in Jesus' name. Amen.